This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. As you know, the podcast is currently sponsored by Nook Ireland. So for the month of October, Nook are offering an amazing opportunity for you and a friend to win €300 worth of Nook product each. Yes, that's right, €300 each. I had to read it a couple of times myself. What an incredible offer. So to be in with a chance to win this competition, follow Nook Ireland's Instagram page and then tag someone you know would who would love to win this competition over on my own page on a post I have created. So terms and conditions do apply and the winner will be announced on Instagram. Good luck. In this week's episode, I chat to Nicole and she talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little boy Brody. So although her pregnancy with Brody was a surprise, they were delighted with the news. She chats about her personal circumstances. So at the time, her partner was living abroad for work, but she decided to stay put and have her enjoy her pregnancy here. And she wanted to give birth to her son in the Irish maternity system. So that's what she decided to do. So she talks him through her whole pregnancy, how she felt, the different symptoms that she felt. She was quite ill. She didn't she didn't vomit, but she felt nauseous throughout her entire first trimester. She then talks about excessive itching later on in her pregnancy. And she talks about labour. She did have an emergency C-section. She felt a lot of pain after her surgery, but not in the typical the the wound site so not where you would think so I'll let her share all of the details surrounding what unfolded over the following days she was in intensive care she did suffer a bleed and it was a pretty rough a rough time something that stood out to me was the lactation consultant that came in and made her experience so much better so she ended up breastfeeding Brody for three years and she really thinks that if it wasn't for that lactation consultant, she wouldn't have done so. So she speaks so fondly of that woman that just came in and as we said in the podcast, was like her tonic. She went through a really rough time in the hospital, but that one person was the difference, made her experience a little bit easier in a, during a really tough time. 
Nicole shared some gorgeous pictures of Brodie with me, which I have popped up on Instagram. So enjoy my chat with Nicole and I will talk to you next week. Nicole, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. I'm delighted to have you on. Thanks a million. If you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Yeah, so uh, my name is Nicole and I'm married to Graham. And we have a little boy, Brody, and he's three years old. So that's our family at the moment. <laughs> Will we just dive straight into your pregnancy yeah. with Brody? Yeah, so I found out I was pregnant back in August 2017. And um, it wasn't planned, but um, we were kind of at that stage where we knew, you know, we knew we wanted kids and we wanted to have a family and everything. But um, the timing was just a bit awkward. Graham was starting a job over in the UAE that September. Um, he's a teacher, so he was he was going over for that. And um, the plan was, you know, I'd move out around Christmas time. I was still working here. And um, then when I found out I was pregnant, I just decided, you know, I don't really want to have the baby abroad. I'd rather have the pregnancy in Ireland. Um, so, yeah, we just decided that he would stick to the plan and move over like he'd already had the contract and everything. So um, we were just going to do long distance for the year and um, that he would come back for the birth. And after the baby was born, we'd all move over together. It sounds so simple. <laughs> um, I think I was really naive. You know, I just said, yeah, we'll be grand. You know, you can still support me emotionally and everything. But um, I just thought, you know, that's the best option for us at the time. So he moved over um, the beginning of September and um, right from the beginning, around five, six weeks, I'd say I just had such bad nausea just all day long, like could barely eat anything. If I did get to eat, it would, you know, it would stay down. I didn't really vomit or anything, but it was just constant food aversions. And even in work, if I was trying to get lunch or anything, into me I just it was like constant stomach bug just all day long and you know everybody kept saying you know you'll be grand you know it's only the first trimester and I just thought oh my god 12 weeks is like a lifetime just, when you feel like this <laughs> yeah I know you know when you have it all the time and I just thought oh my god 12 weeks it's like forever and I just felt like the first trimester just dragged because of that and um yeah, so I, I kept working anyway, and there was another girl who was pregnant in work at the time, and I felt like she was a couple of months ahead of me, so I felt like she was kind of, you know, supporting me through it, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, so once the first trimester was done and the sickness eased off, I got that bit of a, a boost of energy and just mm. started to actually enjoy the pregnancy. And um, yeah, I had my scan and everything, and everything was fine. And um, just had to kind of, I recorded it and sent the video to Graham. Um, yes, yeah, so you would have been on your yeah. own then for the, for the scan. Well, I was able, I brought my sister and his sister right, okay. with me to the scan because I hadn't a clue and they both have kids. And I just remember sitting, you know, waiting to go in for the scan thinking, or oh, having a clue like <laughs> about anything. And even when, you know, when you have your check-in with the midwife and everything, and I came out and they said, well, you know, how did you get on? And I said, I actually can't remember <laughs> anything that she's after saying to me. It was just like an overload of information. And um, yeah, I went for the scan and everything was fine. And 
you know, should we were delighted and everything. And around, I think, 20 weeks. Um, yeah. So they said I was Reese's negative. So I had to have the the anti-D injection at around 28 weeks. And I, did, I didn't even know what that meant, like what Reese's negative was. So um, I just remember. What can you explain what it is? Yeah. So if, if your um, blood type is Reese's negative, so I'm a negative. Um, they give you an injection at 28 weeks in case the baby's blood type is rhesus positive. Um, your blood will actually attack the baby's blood if it crosses over into the okay. into the placenta. So um, what happens is you get your injection at 28 weeks and, and that builds up antibodies. So if the blood does cross, it protects you. Okay. And after the delivery of the baby, if the baby's blood is positive, you have to have another injection in case, you know, the blood crosses over after after the birth. So you get another one within 72 hours. Um, but I didn't have a clue at the time. <laughs> I just remember getting yeah. the letter and thinking, oh, what's this? So it was fine. So sorry. Someone said to me before I had to get the anti-D in case I got a bump or something. Oh, and yeah. I, I don't know. Is that sentence? No, I, I just, I no. Well, no, not that okay. I know of. I, I I just remember, you know, like especially when it's your first. I felt like I, I was. I felt like I was trying to research as much as I could. But you're obviously mm. you're learning everything as you go in, and yeah. you're hearing so many things that you've never heard before. Uh, so yeah, it was fine. Um, just had the injection, didn't have any side effects or anything, and it was grand. Just kind of got on with it. So that Christmas, I think it was that was before the injection Christmas was and I flew over to see Graham in Dubai and I just stayed there for the whole month of December and I came back then had the injection and the rest of the pregnancy was really nice I didn't have you know any really bad symptoms or anything it was only when I got to around 30 36 or 37 weeks Graham had flown home around the end of March and I started getting, um, you know, high blood pressure and there was a lot of protein in my urine and different things were kind of rising in my blood. Every time they take bloods, they'd say, you know, the uric acid is getting a bit high. And like, I didn't know what what any of that actually meant for me or mm-hmm. for the baby. But I felt like I was constantly being sent out to the hospital to be monitored. And it got to the stage where, you know, I'd go in and they check on my blood pressure and say, look, it's a little bit high. And, you know, I think we'll just keep you in and they do my bloods and they'd say, you know, different things are kind of going up a little bit, but not as high as, you know, that we're really worried about, but just keep you in overnight. And when they'd come around in the morning and do, you know, and they do the rounds and everything, there was this particular doctor and she'd always say, you know, your blood pressure is not high and I don't know why they've kept you in you're you're fine like you can go home and this happened regular for about two and a half weeks they'd say you were kept in for two and a half weeks no so I, like they keep me in overnight and then they'd send me home but they'd say come back in a few days we'll keep an eye on you I'd go back the same thing happened again they'd say yeah it's still a bit high we'll keep you in and same thing the next morning the doctor would say no like your blood pressure is not high I don't know why they're like you got to say dry I felt like a bit stupid you know, I, mm. I was like, what's going on? Because I'm being told that it is high. And then I'm being kept in 
and then you're saying like you don't you're like she I felt like she was looking at me you know yeah. as if I wanted to stay in the hospital or something but it wasn't like that you know I I didn't want to be in the hospital and this went on on and off right up to about 39 weeks and I had started getting this really bad um like itching all over my stomach okay and it was just I could not I could not stop scratching it was just so excruciating I just was like scratching all over all through the night and I was starting to get really really uncomfortable and just get really really bad pelvic pain and I just felt like I didn't want to be in the hospital because every time I went out you know they were keeping me in and sending me home but it just got to the stage where I was like you know I was using like the chamomile lotion and everything but like nothing would take the itch away and it was just constant all the time so I, I went out anyway to get checked and um, they did a few blood tests and they just said look you know we'll keep you in and if you want we can offer you a sweep so I was like grand okay you know I'll, I'll take the sweep so they brought me down and the doctor came down that evening and he just said, look, um, we're just going to do the sweep and we'll keep you in and, you know, see if anything happens. So I was like, fine. So the midwife came down. She was really nice. And, you know, she held my hand and everything. And because I didn't really know what to expect. Like I'd heard, you know, everyone says, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. And but um, it was fine. Like he was very good. And, you know, I just felt like, you know, it was lasting forever. I just felt like it was like taking ages. But um, straight away, I just had cramps and I had cramps throughout the whole night. And I, I really thought to myself, like, oh, this is it now, you know. Yeah, you, you gear yourself <laughs> yeah. up that it's OK, this yeah. is it yeah, straight yeah. away. Yeah. And sure, the next morning, then I had no cramps or anything. So I just thought, oh, you know, it obviously it didn't work like. So they came down and just said, look, we'll we'll do another scan, just check on the baby and we'll do another sweep and if the scan is okay you can you can go home and I was like okay so I went down to have the scan and it was with the doctor that kind of kept sending me home after the whole blood pressure thing and I just remember like feeling she was just really cold or something you know just not engaging with me at all she did the scan didn't really say anything about the scan just said yeah scan is fine and she said just lie up on the bed there now and we'll do the sweep and she just said okay I'm going to do the sweep now and it was just like it was I just remember it was mm. so rough compared to the the one the day before I was really like a bit shocked do you know because I thought it was yeah. just going to be the same and she just said, okay, you can go now. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just got up and I kind of looked at her for a minute. I think I was just still a bit like taken aback. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you can go. I was like, okay. So I just went back down to the ward and she kind of came after me then and said, oh, like, I think I'll just, I'll better walk down with you. I was like, all right. So got back down to the ward and she just said to the midwives she was trying to talk to them at their little office and I just went down to the bed I just remember I got so emotional I was like oh Jesus like I didn't think it was going to be like that 
And I just mm-hmm. felt her whole manner was a bit like just, I don't know, not very caring. Like, so. Do you think she realized that her manner and that's why she walked out into the. Yeah, like I think because I was standing there like, you know, a lost puppy looking at her. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really know what to do with myself. And yeah, like because she did, she like I was halfway down the corridor and she came kind of running after me. But I just kind of didn't want to look at her then. I was a bit annoyed. Mm-hmm. So I went down to the bed and I just I rang Graham and I was like, I'll just come out and get me out of this place because I'm just really annoyed now. And I sure look, my emotions were all over the place anyway. But when he came out, the midwives, I was obviously given out <laughs> about what had happened. And the midwives came down and they were like, look, Nicole, like you don't have to go home, but like we're not going to force you to go home. And I said, well, it's not like I want to stay in the hospital. Like, I don't want to be out here if it's not necessary. But there's so much misinformation. Like one minute you're saying my blood pressure is high and all these different things in my blood are going up. And then you're saying, you know, the doctor saying, no, that's not the case. And I just said, I'm a bit like fed up, you know. Just mm. So anyway, I just said, look, I, just, I think I'll just go home anyway. So I went home and we went um there's like a really big park near where we live and I just said look we'll just go for like a really long walk and I just need to kind of clear my head and um yeah so I was drinking like you know that raspberry leaf tea Mm. and (laughs) like just (laughs) try anything and throughout the day then yeah I, I just felt a bit low on myself yeah and that night then we went to Graham's brother's house and we were having a Chinese and um, when we came home, then um, around half 12, I started to feel we were in bed and I just started to feel like this really, really bad cramp the whole way across my stomach. And I was kind of like half asleep, but then the pain was like getting really bad. It was kind of waking me. So I got up and I was like dripping in sweat and I went out to the toilet and I was like, oh, my God, this pain is just like constant, like all throughout my stomach and my back and um I was sitting on the toilet and then I just felt this like gush just oh. all over the floor and I was I didn't know whether it was like my waters I think I just was like oh okay something's after happening now and can I just ask you a question sorry yeah. did you do any prep so did you know what was happening and what was going to happen in like did you do any antenatal classes or hip yeah, we, did, or um, yeah okay. we did the antenatal classes like and I found I did find them like informative I, th- I just think that like unless you're doing something like hypnobirthing where it's really detailed and in-depth you know mm-hmm. like they kind of cover like a load of different issues but I suppose they didn't really go into too much detail because they're trying to cover so much yeah. So I had like I knew what to expect to a certain extent, but I think when it was happening, I was just a bit like, oh, OK, is this it now? Or, you know, because I was sent home so many times. I just thought, mm. like, don't don't panic. Um, Yeah. So I had like um obviously contractions then, but they were really, really close together straight away. So we rang the hospital and I just said, look, there's literally no break between the contractions they're so bad I'm really struggling to actually cope with them I say like every three four minutes I was mm. getting the contractions as soon as like my waters broke so we just went into the hospital we're about 40 minutes away from the hospital so I started vomiting then and 
when we got into the car we kept having to stop because I was just like getting sick every few minutes and like I don't know whether it was just like anxious you know like (laughs) my nerves are just labor I don't know what it was but I was just like covered in puke the whole way in the hospital and when we got there I just remember sitting in the wheelchair with my head in my hands I was just like oh my god I just couldn't even look at anything around me I just was thinking how bad the pain was um so the midwife brought me up to the up to the delivery suite straight away and um she said look I'll just do an exam and see what story is so she just said to me look she was like you're only two centimeters so she was like you've a really long way to go but I think because the contractions were so bad she was like look I'm going to keep you here um and I was still getting sick throughout so she was really nice like she I, I'm the kind of person like tough love doesn't really work with me <laughs> I need mm. someone that's gonna like you know be just yeah, like <laughs> yeah rubbing my hands or something <laughs> and I just remember like I did I had like this lovely nightdress and everything picked out and sure I was just in the hospital gown getting sick everywhere and <laughs> I just didn't care so um yeah she just sat me up on the bed and she said look we'll start you on the gas and air and uh yeah that was grand for a while about half an hour I'd say I lasted on that and the pain was just so horrific I was I just remember groaning like you know when people say like or when you see it on like television and you see the people groan you think I'll never be like that like you know that's so dramatic I'm not going to be that person and I was just like oh (laughs) and I think poor Graham was probably traumatized (laughs) but I it was the only way I could try and deal with the pain was just to really like groan it out. What position were you in? Were you up and about or were you on the bed? Oh, no, it was on the bed. I was just like, I would think it was just like, it was like being hit like hit by a bus. Mm. That's been honest with you. I just really felt like I was after being floored by the pain. So I felt like there was no break as soon as, you know, one contraction would come down. I just felt like the other one was starting almost instantly. So I just felt like I wasn't getting a chance to to get a grip on anything. Mm. And yeah, so she she offered me the petadine then. And um, I said, yeah, OK, I'll try that and see um, if it works. But it didn't do anything. It just made me a bit drowsy. <clears throat> so she said, I remember I was kind of like a bit sleepy at that stage. I think I was just exhausted already. Yeah. And she just said to me, look, you, you had the pet in around an hour and a half ago and it's not really after doing anything for you. And she just said, look, your contractions are very strong. There's not much of a break between them. So she said, like, do you want to have the epidural? So I said, yeah, I think I will. I just I felt like I was lying on the bed and I just thought I, I felt really out of it. You know, I just felt like I wasn't alert. I didn't really I wasn't aware of what was really going on. And I just thought, yeah, look, I'm I'm not really coping with this pain at all. And I think I'll just, yeah, I'll take the epidurals. So I remember hearing her on the phone to the anaesthetist and they were saying they were down in intensive care and, you know, it'd be another hour or more before they were up. And I was like, oh, my God, another hour. <laughs> How am I going to do this? I just, I remember hearing her. And I just said, oh, Graham, I can't, not another hour. I can't with this pain. And uh, yeah, so she came up anyway, but. I remember like when she was signing you know when they're reading out all the forms I was like yeah just yeah 
fine yeah grand <laughs> so was it was it the the whole hour yeah she was longer oh, I think gosh. I think she was about an hour and a half yeah by the time she actually came up because she was so busy down there mm. and um yeah so they were trying to give me the epidural but obviously you can't have it when you're having a contraction so my contractions were so close together she'd say to me you know okay you're ready now and then another contraction would start so they'd have to wait then I just remember being like on all fours on the bed and they were trying loads of different positions to try and get me to stay still but the contractions were just like so fast um so eventually I got it anyway and when that kicked in it was I just felt like I was floating on air <laughs> to be yeah, honest with you breathe yeah. yeah I was I just remember the exact moments that I could feel it working and everything all the pain just disappeared and I just thought I, how did you feel getting the epidural obviously it's a it's can be nerve-wracking yeah. so how did you feel knowing yeah. that you were about to get it oh I was grand I just thought I can't cope with this pain now so well to being honest and I wasn't opposed to it even before the labor you know different people were kind of saying you know try not to get the epidural because you know there's a lot of side effects and you know people kind of advise you you know throughout the pregnancy but I just thought to myself you know I don't know how I'm going to feel or how you know labor is going to affect me so I was kind of open to seeing you know how I'd get on but if I needed you know if I needed something to help with the pain, I wasn't opposed to to taking it. So <clears throat> when I had the epidural, um, yeah, it was fine. Like I felt like I could actually just, you know, relax a bit and I slept for a few hours. Um, but I, I got really, like I was saying, I, I felt like I wasn't really alert. Like I could hear people talking, but I felt like, you know, I wasn't really hundred percent aware or like really able to engage with people as they were talking to me um so I remember the midwife saying that the baby's heart rate had had started to dip a little bit and um that there was meconium now starting to come out with the with the fluid um so she called up the register and uh she said look just keep an eye on it basically and monitor it let me know if there's any change and I don't know how long it was after that, but the midwife said to me, look, I'm, I'm not really happy with what the doctor's after saying, because, you know, the baby's starting to get really distressed now and the colour is starting to change in the meconium. It's starting to get like a bit thicker and a bit darker in colour. So um, she called her back up and when she came back up, she said, look, we'll do an emergency section, um, you know, the the baby is a bit more distressed now and so then it was all you know kind of a a mad rush then and I just remember looking at there was like a a corner window and I could see like that like the sun was coming up I remember I remember just seeing this big orange color and I was like oh my god the whole night is after passing like camp you know I just remember thinking oh it's morning I can't believe it's morning already and they were you know all oh you're going down to have your baby now and I was I just remember I was like, yeah, yeah, like just totally out of it. And they brought me in anyway, and Graham came in. And yeah, so Brody was born and they kind of showed him to me for a second, but um they brought him up to Skaboo then because he'd inhaled some of the 
the fluids so they just wanted to do a bit of suctioning but they like they told me look he's fine it's just you know just to keep an eye on him so uh graham and Brody went up then straight away so i was still on the table and they were i remember thinking like i feel like i'm here a really long time and you know since graham and Brody left i felt like it was i was just there for ages and the anesthetist was sitting really, really close to me and kept talking to me. And I just said, to her, I'm getting this really bad pain in my shoulders now. Is that normal? And she was like, you're going to be fine. You know, we'll, we'll give you a bit more medication that will help with the pain. But the pain instantly was like a really tight, sharp pain the whole way across the top of my back right at the tips of my shoulders and I didn't know I was like what what is this like this is this is not normal and um yeah so anyway they stitched me up and brought me out to recovery and sure I was as high as a kite and um after a while they brought me up to maternity and sure in my head I just thought oh sure everything must be fine you know they've sent me back up to maternity and uh, they were bringing Brody out for breastfeeding um, throughout the day. So around, I think around 11, 30 or 12, uh, you know, a couple of family members started kind of calling out, just popping in. And my dad came out and Graham had to pop out for a few minutes. And I said to my dad, like, you know, I, I really don't feel well. I just have this really bad pain in my shoulders. And he was like, oh, that's, you know, that's a bit strange. Do you want me to get somebody? And I said, we'll just get the midwife. So <clears throat> the midwife came in and she was only a young girl. Like, and I just said to her, like, is that normal to have that pain? Because I said, every time I sit forward in the bed, it's like all the way down to the left side of my stomach from my shoulder. And if I turn to the right, it's all the way down to the right. And she just said, oh, look, it could be could be gas pains could be just trapped air from the surgery and I just thought oh okay that's fine but I just remember thinking I must have a really low pain threshold (laughs) because I felt like you know she was kind of like oh you're grand but the pain was so bad it was so so bad I like I couldn't even catch my breath at times and Graham came back then and um he had his brother and um and his wife and I I couldn't even really talk to them because the pain was was getting worse and worse throughout the day and then I started vomiting <clears throat> and the consultant came up then and she was asking me how I was and I said I just really don't feel well like I'm vomiting and the pain in my shoulders getting worse but she didn't she didn't really say anything about like what it could be she just kind of said okay you know we'll keep an eye on you and that was it so the nurses were coming in and out checking on me and you know they were saying you did have an emergency section like you are going to be in pain and I just really felt like oh my like they're kind of looking at me now like you know this one first time mother after having a section she's going to be in pain and that I I just felt like they were kind of looking at me as if I was like being a bit dramatic and you felt like that before it. so that probably um, yeah yeah 
yeah I felt like oh Nicole mm-hmm. you need to get a grip now you're just you're not able for pain <laughs> that's really how I felt I really thought like you know other people have had sections you know they're up walking around you should be able to do the same and then around five o'clock in the evening uh, they brought Brody out for a feed and I said to the midwife like can you just help me sit up because I'm really really struggling to even sit forward and she just said to me you know we're not really meant to kind of like you know lift patients up in the bed and I said I, I can't sit up straight like so she put out her hand and just said look just kind of pull yourself up holding on to my arm and I kind of just pulled myself forward and the pain just like shot across my chest I could feel my heart like pumping I didn't know what was what was happening and I just let out like a scream I was like I can't stop can't stop I need to I need to lie down the pain is so bad I can't and the woman beside me was like somebody please help that woman like she's in pain and Graham was holding Brody and everybody was just looking at me like what the hell is going on and so all the doctors came in and there was two midwives and they were doing a scan and everybody was just really quiet like nobody said anything about like it could be this or like nobody said anything to me they just kept asking me where's the pain how bad is the pain and just kept repeating that and I just kept saying like it's all the way across my shoulders it's all the way down my left side if I move that way if I move my right side it's all the way down to my stomach and it's it's cruising so they sent me down to the labor ward but as I was going out to the corridor my mother had arrived so she was like what's going on and they just said you know we're sending her down just to do a few tests and just see what's going on so when I was in the labor ward they um Graham was with me and I kept saying to them like can I just get like an ice pack or something (laughs) because I thought like oh if I put ice on my shoulders it'll help I don't know what I was thinking thinking it was it was going to numb the pain or something and Graham left around half 11 that night and I remember saying to one of the nurses like what's wrong like what's going on and she just said I don't know I can't I can't tell you because we don't know so uh, there was one midwife came in and she was very like one of these kind of tough love kind of people and she just said to me look we're going to try and walk you as far as the sink and see how you get on and I was like I can't I can't even roll over in the bed I can't the pain is too bad and she was like the two of us are going to assist you we'll you can link on to us you'll be grand so they sat me up in the bed I was like I can't do this like and I started crying and she was like come on you can do it you know we're, we're going to help you and they basically just walked me to the sink and back and she was like see you didn't think you could do that now and you know fair play to you for doing it but I was just like oh my god the pain is just horrific and so they sent me back down to maternity then because I walked to the sink and back <laughs> and I kept ringing the bell because the pain was so bad and I just couldn't cope and I just thought I can't do this I don't know what's going on and the midwife came out and I was on a drip at this stage and she said look we'll try they've said to try and just you know give you another walk 
So I was holding on to the drip and I walked as far as the door and I said, I'm going, I'm going to pass out. And she, she said to me, you know, right, this is not normal. Like somebody has to do something. So she sent me back down to the labor ward and they were all just kind of looking at me and they were doing blood tests and doing scans. And I just kept saying, you know, what's wrong? And nobody, nobody could answer me. Like nobody even said like, you know, well, maybe it could be this. Like nobody said anything. I just felt like so in the dark. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, what, what's wrong with me? Like this can't be normal. And how, where was Brody? So was he, he was he in was... Skaboo. He was in the Skaboo. Oh, he's still yeah. there. Okay. And they brought him down. Um, it must have been around 1.30 in the morning. And <clears throat> the, the nurse from Skaboo brought him down. And she said, look, we're... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can have him for a few minutes, just ring the bell when, when you want us to take him back. And as soon as she put him on my chest, I was like, oh my God, like the pressure having him here on on my chest it was so bad I actually thought I was going to drop him so I'd say I didn't have him a few minutes I couldn't even enjoy holding him because Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about how bad the pain was so I didn't even want to hold him I was like I have to ring the bell and I remember she came in and she gave me the dirtiest look it was just like are you for real you've only had your child a few minutes and now you're ringing the bell that was the impression 
like I could see it in her face that she was like disgusted with me and I just I can't I'm sorry like the pain is so bad and she just said yeah that's fine and she just put them into the little cot and brought them off and that was it and I remember I didn't even have time to be like upset over the way she was acting because uh, all I could think about was the pain and so the whole night they were doing like you know the oxygen level test they were doing all these different things and then in the morning um the midwives came in and they sat me up in the bed and one of them turned to me and she said you know how's the pain and I said actually it's not as bad as last night the pain is not as bad now and she said do you want to have a little freshen up you know the consultant's coming into you now in a minute and I said oh yeah great thanks and as she was talking to me the consultant came in and did a scan and I'd say she did a scan for less than a minute two minutes and she said oh there's a bleed we'll have to bring you down to surgery so then I was like oh my god what's that mean so she had said that I needed to have um, a blood transfusion as well because um, for surgery your hemoglobin has to be like 10 point something but mine was like six point something yeah so she because I was Reese's negative as well she was like everyone was just running around the place panicking and then the doctor came up and was getting me to sign all these consent forms saying oh we need you to sign this um, for the surgery and the worst case scenario you'll have to have a hysterectomy and I was like what <laughs> oh my god what the hell and was Graham was- wasn't with no, you at this stage was he this was like <gasps> eight o'clock in the morning the next day and I was like what the hell is going on I I really just felt so out of my depth I did I didn't I couldn't take in what was happening and the consultant stepped in she said look I'll I'll explain it to her so she just told me no you're you know that's not going to happen we'll go down and we're going to send you for an ultrasound now just to specify where the bleed is and we'll bring you to surgery you're going to be fine and so I was trying to text Graham as I was on the way down to ultrasounds to say like I'm going for surgery there's a bleed and I was panicking then that he wouldn't get there in time before I went into surgery so I was in ultrasound and he he had arrived then and the girl that was doing the ultrasound just turned to the doctor and said oh there's fluid everywhere take her down to theatre and I was like, oh, my God, I, I started panicking then thinking, oh, my God, what's that mean? And they brought me into, <clears throat> do you know, where they just transfer you to the bed to bring you into theatre. Mm. So Graham was still with me at that stage and the porter and the midwife. And all the surgeons started walking out of theatre and the midwife said, you have a surgery now. And they were like, we weren't notified of any surgery. And she was like, doctor, whatever the doctor's name was, has rang down, booked the, booked the theatre. And they said, we weren't told anything about this. And they continued to have this big argument in front of me. And the porter actually had to step in and say, can you have this conversation away from the patient? So they all stepped outside and I was on the bed like, oh, my God am I going to die or what's going to happen? Because I've never seen doctors arguing like that before. And I started to think like, oh, you know, when you see doctors. Whose hands am I in? Yeah. Like when there's people. Yeah, yeah, I was really panicking. 
I was really scared at that stage and I just thought oh my god what's going to happen and I remember when they brought me in nobody was talking everybody was just really silent and because I was lying flat on my back at this stage I was like couldn't get a a proper breath I felt like I can't breathe properly now because the pain is so bad that when I'm breathing the pain is just like getting really tight in my chest and I started seeing like oh they won't know now that I can't breathe properly and what if I stop breathing when I get the anesthetic and my mind was just running away with itself and so I said it to the consultant like I can't breathe properly I'm really struggling to breathe and she just kept rubbing my hand and she was like you'll be fine you know I'm going to look after you you'll be fine and I just felt like whatever way she was doing it 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 did it really just kind of calmed me down a bit um yeah so then obviously I had I had the surgery and then so where was the fluid was it was it it was all all in my stomach it was all in the uterus so um when I woke up I was in intensive care and I was on a ventilator and I was really really out of it and I just remember seeing Graham was sitting beside me and there was a nurse at the end of the bed and my mother was in the corner and they were all just staring at me and I remember thinking oh my god my mother she was as white as a ghost Mm. and all I could think about was that I didn't have the pain anymore that was the first thing I thought of was oh the pain is gone like straight away that's what I thought and so they said they had to leave the, the the breathing tube in until the doctor came around to assess me so I don't know how long I had it in for but it was a good few hours anyway and um so he came in and assessed me so he said look we'll take it out tonight so they took out the tube then that night and I was just really hoarse after it and the nurses um that I had I had one-on-one care throughout my stay in intensive care and the nurses were just, they were so, so good to me. Um, like they could not do enough for me. They were just so, I don't even know what the word is, but they were just so attentive and caring. You know, they were just talking to me constantly. And um, the nurse that I had the first night, she said, I'm going to be in this room all night long. Um, I had two drains in to drain out the fluid. So I had one on each side of my stomach. and. Um, I was getting morphine for the pain, but they could only give me like a really small amount because I was going to breastfeed. So, um, yeah, it was, that was literally going to be my next yeah. question. Yeah. So the midwife um, that I had at the beginning of my labor came down um, to get me to express the colostrum. And she said, Nicole, I, I can't believe like what's after happening. She mm-hmm. said, when I finished my shift and I came back and heard what had happened, she said, I was trying to get down to you, but she said we were so busy. You know, she said I was really like concerned for you, you know, really worried about you. And um I remember she was like showing me how to express the classroom into like this little syringe. And um the lactation consultant came down to me and she was <laughs> she was one of those people, you know, just so bubbly. And she was like, oh, my God, that's like, that's fantastic. Look how much you've got into that syringe. Oh, my God, you're brilliant. And, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, oh, yeah, that's I'm brilliant. Like (laughs) thinking I was amazing. And but she was really like 
she was so good to me and even the way she was you know she was so happy in herself and she was like oh Brody's going to love this now it's be a nice little treat now after his bottle and it just really like she was a proper tonic yeah. I think for you she was just what yeah, you needed she really yeah gave that me like a little boost and mm. uh yeah so I was in intense care then for a couple of days and it was so weird because they kept sending down photos of Brody but every picture he looked looked like a different baby and in, I had this image in my head from like when I gave birth of what he looked like but every time they send down a photo I like I really couldn't connect with it because he looked so different and uh yeah but it was lovely that they sent him down but I just couldn't I just couldn't um picture him being like my child and uh, so was it was he in Skaboo that whole time yeah, as well the whole time yeah okay. yeah God, the yeah and uh but I had um they had given me a uh like a single room and so my family were able to go up and bring him into the room and have time with him there while I was down in intensive care and uh so I was there for on the fourth day I think one of the nurses that was on the night shift she said to me you know when was the last time you saw Brody then and I said mm. sure Saturday night and this was like, like say Wednesday morning, like the night Wednesday morning. And she was like, no, like, I'm going to get you up to Skaboo. I'm going to get you to yeah. see him. And so she put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> she was like, I'm going to bring you up. And her and the healthcare assistant brought me up. And I just remember, like, after everything I was after being through, like the laugh that we had going up in the elevator, the two of them were just, they were so funny. And, um, like the nurses in Skaboo really weren't happy that they brought me up so they just kind of pushed them out the door for a few minutes and said look you five minutes and that's it and the the nurse's name was Nicola and she said to me she was like do you know what she said it's worth every second just getting you up here you know to see him and um it must have been so hard yeah um when you and I see you knowing that he was in the same building as yeah you. he was just there yeah yeah and I couldn't even do anything I couldn't I think it was just because I was so sick that mm. the whole thing just felt really surreal because all I was focusing on was trying to get better and get back up to him. But I, mm. it, like the labor and everything was like a distant memory because it was everything afterwards that I kind of was focusing on. Um, yeah. yeah. So like the nurses in intense care, they, they were really good to me. and. Um, so the next day one of the consultants came around and checked the drains and everything and uh he said no we'll keep you in for another day there's still blood passing into the into the drains um and we'll see how you are tomorrow and I was like right okay and then an hour later the other consultant came in and said no we're sending you up to maternity take out the drains today and you need to get back up to the baby and that was it and I was just like how can there be two different do you know yeah. I was just like there it is again just I had you'd, you'd even wonder did yeah. they have a discussion oh did they know what the other said no. do you know oh no. I doubt it I doubt it <laughs> and um yeah so they took out the drains anyway and sent me back up to maternity and I remember going into maternity like I was really overwhelmed because there was loads of people in the room, just like loads of nurses, loads of midwives. Everybody was just like, oh, thank God you're OK. You know, 
I was just like, oh my God. And they just like kind of put Brody onto my chest straight away. I was just really overwhelmed by it all. And then I was in the room and um, this nurse came in like an hour later and I was changing Brody's nappy on the bed. And she came in and he started crying, you know, and I couldn't really hear what she was saying to me. And she said that, you know, she was um, a specialist and that um, she was trying to talk to me about something to do with Brody, but I couldn't, I couldn't really hear what she was saying to me. And then um, she said, oh, he has um, hypospadias and, you know, he'll have to have a surgery in Crumlin. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like, what is what is going on? And she just kind of gave me this information really, really quick, kind of got in and out. And that was it. And I just burst into tears because I didn't know what hypospadias was. I didn't know, was it a serious thing or what it meant? And I was just in shock. And the lactation consultant had come in to me um, shortly after. And I said to her, this nurse or doctor came in and said to me something about Brody having hypospadias and that he needed a surgery. And just basically walked out the door and I said, I, I don't understand like what that even means. And um, she said, I'm going to get her to come back. And she said, that's not good enough. You know, that's not right. So she came back anyway later and was it was a totally different scenario. She properly explained everything. And I just said, you know, it's just one thing after another now. <laughs> I just want to get out here. And uh, yeah, so basically it's like when um, the urethra is not in the right place in the penis. So um, depending on where it is, depends on how serious the condition is, but it's actually one of the most common, um, say like defects um, in boys um, when they're born. Um, But his one is actually not that bad at all. Um, It's more just um, like the skin is a bit tight. Um, but at the time I, I hadn't a clue like what that even meant. Um, yeah, so once we understood what it was and that it's actually really common and that it's only a day procedure, I was obviously a lot more calm about it. Um, yeah, and I had like, you know, people coming into me during the week, like doctors and that, just kind of seeing how I was. And the anesthetist from the surgery came up to check on me. And um, you know, people were kind of I suppose very attentive once I was back up in maternity and yeah so everything after that I felt like I just I don't know I couldn't like process what had happened do you know what I mean I was kind of focusing on like just being with Brody and like Graham stayed over two nights in the hospital um with me and nobody said anything like no nobody even questioned it he just stayed in the room all night and nobody even said anything um and I didn't really care if they did because I just thought to myself after what I've been through now I just need him here with me um but yeah the consultant came in to me and just you know she asked me how I was doing you know mentally and I just said yeah well I'm fine but it's obviously only been like a day or two since it all happened and you know it's really hard to actually process everything and because I didn't even understand what had happened I didn't know like how the bleed had started or if something went wrong I didn't like nobody nobody said anything in that whole time about 
what had caused the bleed or nothing like nobody said anything and the day before I went home the registrar that did the section she came into me and my mother was in the room with me and she said oh do you remember who I am and I said yeah you're the doctor who done the section and she said yeah um she said I just want to talk to you about what happened and I said okay so she explained to me why I had the section <clears throat> which was obviously the the meconium and the the heart rate and everything and I said yeah I understand all that I said it's more you know what happened afterwards I don't understand and she said I don't really understand either she said um I came in on Monday and just read the notes <laughs> and that's I was like okay and she said yeah um so basically when I had the section there was a bleed um coming from the incision where she had done the incision but she couldn't uh find the source of the bleed so she was there for a while trying to stop the bleeding but obviously it wouldn't it wouldn't stop so she said oh do you remember I called for the consultant to come down and I said no I don't remember any of that and she said yeah yeah the consultant came down but when she came down uh, the bleeding had stopped so I said yeah there's yeah it's fine I have everything under control and you know continue to put in the stitches and she was like sure I couldn't you know I couldn't leave you open on the table that long so she basically closed me up and obviously from what I could gather it had just started bleeding again and had been doing it throughout the day but that was the first time anybody said that I had a bleed during the section or anything at all like I felt like I didn't understand why I wasn't told do you know because in my head I was like it would have been better if someone had just told me instead of me thinking all sorts of different scenarios in my head and um the whole time she was speaking to me like she was looking at the floor and me and my mom just sat there I didn't really want to interrupt her because I just wanted her to say everything she had to say but she wouldn't even look at me when she was talking to me and then she said that um you know she obviously went home then after the section and she had finished her shift and she came back on Monday and basically read in the notes what had happened and she doesn't know what happened after the section like if it was the same bleed if it was a different bleed she she doesn't know and she turned around and she said oh we were both just unlucky I think and I was like I don't really know how you were unlucky but I was just like right okay. and that's the first time you saw her since that happened yeah even though she I know she was in the hospital during the week like but she didn't come near me until the day before I went home and uh yeah so then she just turned around and she said yeah so um you know we recommend you know waiting like um at least six months if you're going to have another baby but I think you should wait like a year to year and a half and I was like okay and that was it she just walked out the door then and I was like what was that I was just like, I didn't really know what to make of what she was after saying to me. I just felt really let down, you know, like I still, even now I still don't understand fully like what happened. Like they sent me home. Um, I was in hospital altogether for nine days and they sent me home then. 
and I had no checkup back at the hospital after that. I had my six week checkup with my GP. And they had told me they were going to send out because I said, I'm not going to be able to explain to my GP um, like what's after happening during labor and everything. So they said, yeah, we'll send out a detailed, you know, description of what happened. So they didn't. They just wrote down hemorrhage and emergency section. And that was it. And so I tried to explain to him what was after happening. He said, when when are you do back at the hospital? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not like I haven't been told to go back. So he was like, so they just was just sent you home and that was it and I said yeah so then he sent a letter to the hospital um basically that you know I need to go back and get checked up and I was um like still bleeding quite heavily at that stage and he said look you know just keep an eye on it and you know depending on how heavy it gets you know come back and and we'll we'll do something for you so I just kind of went home then and like Graham had to go back to Dubai um, the day after I came out of hospital as well. Yeah. So he was after he was only supposed to be home for like five weeks, but because it was in hospital and everything like he extended it. So they were kind of putting pressure on him to go back. So I remember like the day after I got home, he was like, I have to book a flight to go back tonight. And I was just like, I don't think I could even like I couldn't even get upset because I was just like I still in like this you know surreal kind of state and the public health nurse came out to me the next day and I remember I was so tired I could barely keep my eyes open <laughs> I was like nodding off as she was talking to me and but uh, like she was lovely as well like, I had really good public health nurse she was so so kind to me and really informative as well you know like she was like, just text me if you're not sure about anything, you know, give me a text. And, you know, she was really good helping me with the breastfeeding. And um, even that's one thing I will say, like about the hospital is that the lactation um, consult- consultant that I had. And I obviously wouldn't have had access to her, um, I think anyway, only for what happened to me. But um, she was amazing. Like she was so good like showing me how to breastfeed like she never once touched me it was all just mimicking her movements like constantly coming in watching me feed like showing me the latch like just really really good and like really like supportive like like praising me the whole time you know saying how well I was doing like she brought in a student nurse and she was like you know um because she said you know I had a really good milk supply and she was like I just want to show her now like oh, you've just got the best milk supply, you know, and all these little things that just, they give you a little boost, like, and I just remember, like, even that sticks out, I'm so lucky that I had her there, because I really needed someone like her, you know, but, um, yeah, I I only had a debrief at the hospital, like, this April. (laughs) That was my next question, so when, (laughs) yeah, what happened with the debrief, or was there one? Uh, So, I never heard back from the hospital, after my doctor sent a letter, I never heard anything. And obviously that summer um, we moved over to Dubai. I was emailing like to try and get in touch. Nobody even responded to my emails. And so I came back, like we came home at Christmas and at summer and there was no communication from the hospital at all. But I had started to have, you know, like suffer a bit from anxiety just Mm. from everything that had happened 
mostly um to do with like actually the breathing um I started to have like panic attacks over silly like really like just mundane kind of things like if I'd started feeling like sick at all in my head I would be like you're not going to be able to breathe now like you're not going to be able to breathe and I just start panicking about not being able to breathe and I never had a panic attack ever in my life so the first time I had one I was really like what oh my god what's happening I couldn't catch my breath and I was trying to explain to Graham like I can't breathe I can't breathe (laughs) I was just in my head I was like calm down but I couldn't my mind was just racing and I just couldn't I couldn't calm myself down and this happened regularly for I'd say about six months every few weeks I'd have one over something really silly and I didn't tell anybody because then like a lot of people over in do in Dubai you know they didn't know what happened and I just didn't feel like kind of going into the the details of everything um so when we we moved home last January I was like that's it I have to I have to find out like what happened so I can move on and um so I went to my doctor again and he said look just ring the patient liaison officer in the hospital Mm. and see what they say so I rang her and she said um there was an appointment made for you and I was like what and she said yeah there's an appointment on the books here for you I was like I never received a letter nothing and she said oh yeah it's it's for this April I was like okay who made that appointment like who got in contact like what letter did you receive and she said I I don't know she said it's just it's on the computer here in front of me so I was like right okay so um they ended up calling me before the appointment and like a couple of weeks before and at this stage like um we had COVID and everything here and she said oh look there's cancellation for tomorrow morning nine o'clock if you want to come in and I was like yeah fine take it so she said you can't bring anybody with you because obviously there's no um visitors or anything because of COVID so I was okay I was a little bit like nervous just because sometimes in the moment like a lot of things go over my head Mm. (laughs) like do you know like I I was afraid I'd, I'd forget to ask something or like that I wouldn't be able to remember all the information that was being said to me and be able to tell Graham so I brought in like a, a notebook and a pen and I went in and the consultant met with me um the consultant that did the surgery the second day and she said to me she went through the notes and everything and she was acting so calm as if everything was so normal and it was not really that big a deal what happened and I could feel myself getting really frustrated because I knew how it had affected me mentally you know in the last two years that like there was times I was really struggling to deal with what happened because I didn't understand what happened mm, yeah and <clears throat> so I kept asking her questions and I was writing down like as much as I could of what she was telling me and she said you don't need to write all this down and I was like I do need to write it down because I'm here on my own and I'm not going to remember everything that's been said so I do need to write it down I was a bit annoyed that she said that to me because you know the way she said it came across a bit like abrupt or a bit like short you know she was kind Mm -hmm. of like you don't need to write that down and I was like actually I do need to write down (laughs) so 
I really didn't have a clue what was after happening. And so I said to her about, you know, uh, where where did this bleed start during the section? And she said, oh, it started during the incision when the incision was made. And it obviously it wasn't from the incision. It was just coming out from that area. So she said they don't know where that bleed was coming from um, or what started it. They just know that it was an abnormal bleed and that like it shouldn't have happened, but that they couldn't control it. And eventually they, you know, they sorted it and whatever. And I said, right, so what happened after the section then? Because that was a bleed. Was that the same bleed? And she said, oh, no, that was a different bleed. Mm. I was like, how do you know that? And she was like, no, it wasn't the same bleed. And I said, so where did that bleed start? And she said, I don't know. I don't know where it started. It could have been this, could have been that. She said, oh, it could have been like a vessel that was, you know, when you have your contractions after after labor, that it could have mm. like pushed on a vessel and started to bleed. But she couldn't, like, she couldn't tell me what it was. She was just That it wasn't the yeah, same one though either. kind of guessing like, so I was still a bit, like and I like I don't know like if she could you know if that was just her kind of fobbing me off or whatever because I you know when I have no medical background so like I didn't understand still I was like how do you not know where it's coming from you know there's no definitive definitive answers everything is just well it could have been this or it could have been that and um so I said well why was I put on the ventilator then and she said oh well that was the anesthetist decision so I can't answer that and I was like right okay but I said you don't put someone on a ventilator you know unless it's something serious and she was like no no you were fine you were fine Mm. and I was like no I wasn't fine I was in intensive care for four and a half days on a ventilator with two drains with wires everywhere like how can you say that to somebody and then I started just to get really annoyed then I was like this is pointless because it's just like a standoff (laughs) between the two of us I felt like I wasn't wasn't getting what I needed from it because I just wanted a bit of closure. But I felt like I felt like what happened to me was really serious. And she was acting as if, no, that's completely normal. What happened to you? Even now, when I think back, it's like it's always after what happened, you know, after the labor. That's what I take away from it. And that's kind of sad, like, you know, um, because like I really enjoyed the pregnancy and everything and you know like we're like I breastfed just up till Brody turned three. Oh, and, cool yeah oh, and you know what I'm, I'm trying hold so hard to hold on to Eva <laughs> but Brody would keep going I'd say until he's like them oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I honestly I'd love to run into that um lactation nurse and just say like thanks for everything because yeah I honestly believe that if it wasn't for her I wouldn't have done it yeah okay I just think I would have given up because she was the type of person I needed like she was so caring it wasn't like like sometimes the midwives would come in and don't get me wrong like there are lovely midwives mm. there as well it's not like I had a, a terrible experience with all the midwives or anything but some of them are very handsy when they're showing you how to breastfeed and I remember one girl came in and I was like oh can you just help me with the latch like I don't I don't know if he's on right and she was like yep and the hands were on I was like oh wow like okay and like the lactation nurse came in like every time she came in she just sat on the bed across from me she was like okay just lift up his head a little just do this just it was just so calm and even like in the beginning like when I was on my own when Graham went back to Dubai 
And I remember the first few nights, like, you know, like every two hours waiting for feed, I was like, what the hell? Mm. Oh, my God. How no choice. I, do this? I know. But you just you just go on autopilot. You know, you just you've no choice. <laughs> to kill. You're just like, this is it. I, ha- I have to actually get up every single time. And um, I remember I was so upset one night just from tiredness. like, And I was like, oh, my God, this is really happening for the rest of your life now. <laughs> but I really love breastfeeding. Like, I loved it. Even like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to breastfeed for, for six months. And then when he goes on solids, that'll be it. And then before I knew it, I was breastfeeding like eight or nine months. And then I was like, oh, if he starts biting now, that's it. Yeah. Oh, straight away, he's gone. <laughs> And then he started biting and I was like, it was so funny because it was like he knew he shouldn't be doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like he'd be grin. laughing at me. Yeah. yeah, he'd be laughing at me. I never thought I would actually breastfeed. I was like not, you know, an advocate for breastfeeding. I just kind of thought to myself, like we were all bottle fed. I didn't know anybody who breastfed. Like I knew nobody. And I remember just thinking, Graham actually said to me, he was like, would you not try breastfeeding? And I was like, I don't really know like much about it to be honest and so I just started kind of looking up a few bits about it and the benefits and everything and then I thought yeah sure look I'll try it and see how I get on and even like when I was in intensive care and that I didn't even really think like oh just give him the bottle you know I just I just kind of went with it and when I was back up in maternity I remember like I there was one night and I just thought oh god I wonder is he getting enough like is he actually getting enough milk I, you know everyone probably thinks the same in the beginning like oh god I don't know like am I actually giving him enough and the midwife came in and she was like oh look just don't be afraid to give him a bottle you know he's had bottles all week and I like I don't think she meant it in a bad way but I just kind of took it as in like well no I won't give him a bottle I'll actually give him <laughs> you know I think she was come from a good place yeah, like, yeah. No, don't put yourself yeah. under pressure but I was like no 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 and she brought me in this bowl with all these like you know the little bottles like six or seven of them and I just was like no I'm going to try now and really just give this a go and um luckily he he took to it like even the nurse said and she said oh he's just a breastfed baby look at him he just loves it it's brilliant <laughs> though after that like because he was given the bottles in the early days it's brilliant that, yeah, that he yeah. just took the way he did yeah he just took to yeah, it straight away yeah straight away like I was lucky like you know it's his little gift to you after what you went through Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks. Thanks a million. As always, if you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. I'm not so sharp on Instagram when it comes to responding to DMs, but I will respond to emails much quicker. So if you go over to irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can contact me there and I'll get back to you with a date for our conversation as soon as I can. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and I will chat to you soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.